Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode, I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. It's the time of year when we reflect on all things we are thankful for. I'm thankful for living in this great country where we are free to work hard and prosper. Where you are free to learn and to worship as you wish. I'm also thankful for my parents who gave me the freedom to make my own decisions, although sometimes that may have been a curse. But it all worked out for the end. I'm thankful for my wife, who has shown me what really matters in life. I'm thankful for my children, who bring so much joy into my life. And now I'm thankful for my grandchildren, who allow me to experience the wonder of life without all the negative baggage that comes through experiencing life. I'm thankful for my work, a chance where I get to help people when they need it the most. I'm very thankful for the opportunity to preach the gospel as often as the opportunity presents itself, and the ability I have to do so. But most of all, during this Thanksgiving holiday, I'm thankful for love. For without love, none of these things would be possible. Love is a word that's really hard to put a definition to. I mean, sometimes it's a noun, and other times it's a verb. And just because it may not be verbalized, it can be observed in actions. I remember when I was a child asking my mother, How do you know when you're in love? She said, You just will. And as most things in life, the longer I lived, the more I found out that she was right. What about this thing called love? I mean, where does it come from? And why do we experience it? And then how do you define it? When faced with these kind of questions, the best place I know to start looking is the Bible. And since we're on the subject of love and thanksgiving... I think we should look at the chapter known as the love chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, 
does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesize in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been known fully. But now faith, hope, love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. Paul seems to be writing an unusual but yet very powerful message to the church in Corinth. And he starts in the first three verses talking about how important love is. He starts by saying in regard to speaking in tongues, even if one spoke with tongues of men and of angels, Without love, the person would be like a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In regard to the gifts of prophecy and of faith, even if one had the gift of prophecy to understand all the mysteries and have all knowledge, even if one had the gift of faith sufficient to remove mountains, Paul says without love, that person is nothing. He states in verse 3 how love is in regard to great personal sacrifice. He says if one gave all their goods to the poor or were willing to be burned at the stake without love, it doesn't profit that person anything. So what is love? Well, he starts in verse 4 by giving us some qualities, both positive and negative, of what love is. He says it suffers long and is kind. He says that love does not envy. It doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. And it doesn't even seek its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't think evil, and it does not rejoice in iniquity. Yet it rejoices in all the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and never fails. pretty hard to define that word love, isn't it? 
But looking at the qualities, Paul does an excellent job. He goes on in starting in verse 8 to talk about the permanency of love. He first contrasts the permanency of love to that of spiritual gifts. He says love never fails, but spiritual gifts will cease. Spiritual gifts will cease when that which is perfect comes. Spiritual gifts equated with childish things, which are put away at maturity. Spiritual gifts are only necessary when knowledge is partial. Verse 12. He says the spiritual gifts will go away when that which is perfect is come. And then in verse 12 he says it's only necessary, these spiritual gifts, because knowledge is only partially known. What is that which is perfect? Well, one would right away assume it's Jesus. But by the time Paul writes this letter to the church at Corinth, Jesus has already been here. I think the key here is the knowledge part. I think he's talking about the Bible. The Bible, perfect knowledge given to man. And when that comes along, which it has, the need for those spiritual gifts won't be anymore. And even though those spiritual gifts are long gone, love's still present. He says that love will be abiding in nature. And he talks about in verse 13 what he believes will abide. He says there will always be faith, there will always be hope, and there will always be love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, I believe Paul gives us a pretty good start of an understanding of this word we know as love. But let's look at another passage to see what else we can understand of this. Turn your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Interesting. So, if you were to define love, I think a quick and easy definition, as Paul writes, as John writes, is that love is defined as God. And what's the source of love? John says that also is God. 
Let's continue with 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse 9 through 21. Now remember, he said, for God is love. He picks up and says, by this, the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us his Spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Why do we experience this emotion we call love? John says in this section, because we're made in God's image. And because he loved us first. He loved us so much that he was willing to give his only son to die for our imperfections so that we may live with him. That demonstration of love happened many, many years before I ever came into the world. So therefore, I can't say that I love God first. He loved me first. And how do we know that we love God? John says, if you love God, then he will be seen in you. In fact, he says, if you say, I love God, and actually hate your brother, you're a liar. Because the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen can't love God 
whom he has not seen. Because God gave us the commandment that whoever loves God should love his brother also. Love is a very powerful thing. And at this time of Thanksgiving, I think it's important to realize and understand where love comes from. It's God-given. It is God. Love would not exist without God. In October of 1863, President Lincoln proclaimed that the United States should have a national holiday to give thanks. I believe President Lincoln touched on this aspect of about where love comes from and who we should really be giving thanks to in his proclamation. President Lincoln wrote, The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of the Almighty God. The axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements, and the mines as well as of iron and coal as of the precious metals have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. Population has steadily increased, Notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege and the battlefield, and the country, rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor, is permitted to expect continuance of years with large increases of freedom. No human counsel hath devised nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, 
mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged, and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. October 1863 The United States was in the middle of a civil war, and yet there was so much to be thankful for. President Lincoln recognized that all the good things are gifts from God, that love itself is of God and is God. So at this time of Thanksgiving, this time of offering up ascriptions justly due him, God, I am thankful for many things. But most of all, I'm thankful for love. And by the definition of love, I am therefore thankful for God and the fact that he loves me. Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about. 